is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Are you set to go this morning? Lovely, lovely bunch of people again. I love coming and preaching to you guys because you're just just so lovely. Absolutely lovely. Okay, this morning we'll be looking at the season of Advent, um, uh, which is already upon us um, and officially started um, last Sunday. Um, If I do take my glasses off, in fact, I'm going to keep them on so it doesn't disturb anything. So before we start, let's just uh, bow our heads together. And let's just uh, pray before, before we begin. So, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this morning. We want to bless you for your goodness and kindness. We want to thank you, Lord, that we've been able to uh, spend some time in worship before you this morning, Lord. We want to thank you that as we come before you, that you are always eager and ready to meet with us. And, Father, as I, as I bring this word, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will own these words this morning that you will speak into our very hearts, our souls, our beings, and that you would bring transformation within our hearts. Lord, where we need a word of encouragement, that you would bring that, Lord. Where we need to be challenged in any specific area, that you would bring that this morning. That our hearts would be open to you. Lord, we've been singing about giving our hearts to you, about surrendering to you this morning. And I want to say that I surrender to you this morning, Lord. I surrender everything that I have to bring before you this morning. And I pray... He will speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Right, Amen. It's probably true to say uh, that more um, of the traditional um, styles of churches are more likely to observe the Advent in its entirety, uh, whilst others probably observe it only sort of like partially. Um, But the main um, celebration over Advent is obviously the day of Christmas. And if I'm honest, um, I would probably fall into that latter category to my, to my shame. However, having looked at this more closely, I found I've been challenged and I've been blessed and encouraged uh, and, and, and celebrated uh, Jesus Christ uh, within my own heart, uh, having set that time aside to do that during this Advent season. Now, there's no uh, actual command or directive in the Bible that we must observe such an event. However, over the years, it's become part of our Christian tradition. Um, There isn't a set passage this morning that I'm going to be using, though I was thinking about using Isaiah chapter 11, um, which would be a really good passage to use. However, we will be referring to some uh, scriptures along the way and that are going to be helpful for us to understand uh, the Advent season. If you've got your Bibles with you, that's great. I encourage you to look at the Scriptures and turn to them as, uh, as we get there. And I will be quoting from the New International Version of the Bible, unless I state otherwise, this morning. So what is Advent? What is Advent? For those who are not fully sure, Advent is the period of the four Sundays and the weeks before Christmas. Advent begins on the Sunday that falls between November the 27th and December the 3rd each year. The year of Advent 2021 began on the 28th of November 
which was last week and ends on Friday, December the 24th. And Christians use these four Sundays and weeks of Advent to prepare themselves to remember the real meaning of, of Christmas. So what does Advent mean? Advent means coming. Means coming. It is derived from the Latin word called Adventus, which is the translation of the Greek word parousia. Parousia. It refers to the coming of Jesus into the world. Now, for those of you who are well-versed in your Greek, you will know that this word is linked to the second coming of Jesus or the return of Christ. But more about that uh, a little bit later. We'll be looking uh, at the significance of that word Adventus coming in its past, present, and future tenses. So came, past, come, present, coming, future, as related in, to the remembrance and the celebration of the Advent season. I've termed the, this the three C's of Advent. Jesus came, Jesus comes, and Jesus is coming. So for our first point, Jesus comes, relating to his birth. The very first verse in Isaiah's prophecy is our starting point for this morning, which is a passage Tim read a couple of Sundays ago, um, and it was a great passage to, 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 to start off with. And it says this in chapter 11, verse 1 of Isaiah. A shoot will come, come up from the stump of Jesse, Jesse, from the roots, a branch will bear fruit. Jeremiah says similarly in chapter 33 in verses, verses 14 and 15 as follows. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promises I have made to the people of Israel and Judah. And in verse 15, it says, In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch out up from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. What or who is Isaiah and Jeremiah referring to here? Of course, it's the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and his coming. Now, the promise of the Savior goes back further than Isaiah. It goes back right to Abraham. And the latter part of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, says this, and this is a promise to Abraham from God. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. This promise then continues through Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and through to the people of Israel. And as we've already seen from both Isaiah and Jeremiah, Jesus descends from the exact lineage that God had promised. And it's all recorded for us in the first chapter of Matthew. There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. From David to the, to the exile of Babylon, 14. And 14 from the exile to Christ. The promise of God extends beyond Israel. 
It extends to all peoples on the earth. And Ephesians 6 tells us this. And this is what Paul says. He says it's a mystery. He doesn't understand it. He says, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So we are all included in that. So the first advent happened 2,000 years ago at the birth of Jesus. At this juncture, I would like to point out that in no way am I a Hebrew or Greek scholar. However, I was interested in viewing the usage of the word in its various original forms as it pertains in context to the advent. And so I decided to get my Strong's and my Young's concordance out to dig deeper into the meaning of the word come. The Hebrew word used in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 for come is yatsa. Say that after me. Again, yatsa. Yatsa, come. This was the shoot of Jesse that Isaiah spoke of. This was the yatsa, who, the one who would come out to go forth. The branch that would spout out, that would go forth with purpose for a result. That's what it says. To show, declare, and bring the righteousness of God to all. And eventually, through his sacrifice, obtain righteousness for all those who would accept him as his saviour. He fulfilled the prophecies regarding his death and resurrection, according to the scriptures. He, revealed, he was revealed, he revealed himself as a son of God. This was confirmed not only by angels, but by God himself at his baptism through the Holy Spirit. For believers, this is an amazing time of remembrance and joy, celebration of the King of Kings. But for many, it's only a time of festivity, self-centered indulgence, excess and pleasure, an occasion to treat oneself at the expense of losing the true meaning of Advent, the coming of the Christ into the world. The tinsel, the glitter, the bright lights, the Christmas trees, the presents, the abundance of food and drink take, tend to take center stage in many houses and homes across our nation and in the whole world. And the true reason and motivation for celebration of the miraculous birth of Jesus is somehow diluted and lost. Just to be clear, I am not a killjoy. I love to have fun, believe you me. If you know me, you know I like a laugh. I love to have a good time. I like the tinsel. I enjoy the bright lights, the Christmas trees, the presents, and the abundance of food and drink. I definitely do. But these things should not take center stage. I guess what I'm trying to say is we need maybe to have a healthier balance by taking time out to reflect on the one who came. To celebrate his coming through worship and praise and adoration as we've done this morning. Having said that, how can we truly celebrate the period of Advent leading up to Christmas Day? I'd like to suggest a few things. Number one, be intentional 
Decide to set a fixed time to focus on God and keep to a regular routine. This may prove difficult maybe for some of us, especially if we've got toddlers. But the length of time will vary on your circumstances. May I suggest to, to start off with, um, to have a short, uninterrupted time of 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so. You can always extend that if you need to. Some will have more time than others. You set your own limits. What is important is that you fix a time that suits you, that you can keep regular. The quality of time with God is more important than the length. The idea over this period is to engage with God and encounter him in a fresh way. Two, use various ways and means to help focus yourself on the events of the, the message of Advent. This may include following, but not in the definite order or preference that I've, I've listed them, as long as you get into the presence of Christ where you can meet with him alone or with others. So here are some suggestions. The first one is being quiet and contemplative on a truth. If music in the background helps, then by all means use it. There are many truths you can reflect on. For example, God's goodness to you in sending Jesus. Thinking, him, thinking of him as a peace giver and bringing you peace. Or thinking of him as a victorious one, as we've just read, uh, sorry, sang. Maybe memorizing a specific scripture that's related to Advent. Reading God's word and meditating on it, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you, giving him that time, waiting on him, listening, and being able to be led by the Holy Spirit. Worship the Lord through song and praising his name. You could express your worship in other ways, like drawing or painting, being creative. Most people, or many people, over this period of time also fast. Maybe that's something you want to do. Maybe it's just for part of the day, half a day, maybe the whole day. Whatever suits your circumstances. Now, I want to really be clear that what I'm not saying, um, I'm not inferring in any way that we're not spending time with God this morning. I'm sure all of us do in our, in our own way and we have our set uh, sort of times. However, this is a special season in the Christian calendar and one that deserves that extra time, devotion and focus. We just need to find a way to make it happen. Personally, I've found by setting time aside and doing some of the above and centering my thoughts on his coming, death and resurrection and his return, it's blessed me and I've been able uh, to, to just be in his presence and I've noticed a greater sense of joy, especially an overwhelming gratitude within my heart. It has really stirred me up in my heart. Only yesterday before going to work, I was meditating on the righteousness of Christ and how his righteousness is imputed to me, is given over to me freely. I found myself singing a new song uh, from the Lord regarding Christ's righteousness and how he makes me righteous in him. My feet were tapping away 
Uh, my heart was full of gratitude and joy, and I wanted to dance, but didn't quite have the energy to do that at 4.30 a.m. in the morning just before going to work. I found that within only a short period of 20 minutes or so every day produces a heart full of gratitude that overflows into thankfulness and praise and adoration. Folks, it's about focusing on Jesus, who he is, what he means to us, all that he's done for us, all that he offers us, and all that he's going to do for us. So hopefully these future suggestions will be of help to you. Waving to Ella there. Thank you, Ella, for your advert contributions on Facebook. This was a real surprise to me. I had no idea that Ella was going to do this, and it's so inspirational. Thank you so much. Please do have a look at that on the website, oh, sorry, Facebook. And again, this may help you to tune in more fully into the Advent uh, season. So our focus starts here, the miraculous birth of Jesus. For most people, this is a key celebration. But there is more and as, as, to, to it, as we will see a little later. This leads me to my next point, the next come. Jesus comes. This refers to the present, the now. In Revelation 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, a very well-known verse. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. But before we can do that, we must understand what the Bible says about our spiritual state. The well-known verse in Romans chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God or the standard of God, God's law. The Bible is clear that all have failed to meet God's standards. No matter how hard we may try to do or be good, kind, selfless, loving, gracious, we fall short and are found guilty of sin in the sight of God. The Bible goes on to say further in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is, de is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 3.24 says the following. I'm reading out the uh, TLB version because it, it, it's lovely the way it's presented there. Yet now God declares not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. Let me just read that again. Yet now God declares us not guilty. Not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. Jesus came to offer us hope to show us the righteousness, the love and peace of God to bring us hope. That's what Advent is about. A season of hope. 
Maybe this morning, hope is what you need. Maybe you're looking for peace or just to know someone loves you, genuinely cares for you. Or maybe you need to know deep within your heart that you need to experience God and his forgiveness. Maybe it's all of those things. You don't have to face life alone or be laden with guilt and shame or to be heavy of heart this morning. So the second come is a call to you and to I to turn around completely, 180 degrees, from what we know to be wrong and turn to God through Jesus for help. The Bible calls this repentance. And we do this by asking God for his forgiveness. And when we do, our lives are changed by his love and by his goodness. The great news this morning is you can do that right now. You may be saying, but Ray, you don't know about me and what I've done and what's been happening in my life. How could God ever forgive me for, for what I've done? The answer is in the Bible. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. I'm reading out of the TLB version again from Isaiah 1, chapter 1, verse 18. This is what it says. Come, let us talk this over says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. Wow. How amazing is that? So how do we receive God's forgiveness this morning? It's through prayer, by asking Jesus to forgive us and to change our lives. And later on, if you would like to do that, there will be opportunity for you to do that. It leads me on to my third and final point. Jesus' second coming, or his return. This is the third come. And it will happen in the future when Jesus comes back to the world as king and judge, not as a baby, as in the first advent. As mentioned earlier, this is known as the second coming, the parousia, the Greek in the Greek. And in the context of advent, it means presence, the coming, arrival, advent, the future visible return from heaven of Jesus to raise the dead, hold the last judgment, and set up formally the glorious kingdom of God. In Thessalonians chapter 4, this is what it reads. This is just amazing. Just, just listen to this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise. After that, we who are still alive are le and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with, with the Lord forever. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. What an amazing 
piece of scripture. This is what we've got to look for. This is part of our Advent story. This too will be a glorious event for the believer when Jesus returns in his glory to take all believers to be with him and reward them for their faithfulness. What a wonderful truth to think and ponder on over this Advent. This should fill us with thankfulness and praise to God for his favor and grace on our lives. And there's numerous scriptures that you can look at. And I'll throw a few out to you right now. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. John 14, 1 to 3. Revelation uh, 21, verse 4. And lots more. And you can meditate on these. But this is not the whole truth. There's more. There's more. Let us not forget the judgment of Christ. I cannot speak of the rewards without speaking also of the coming judgment. Not for believers, but the unbelievers. Now, this is a hard truth to hear. It makes us feel uncomfortable, especially if one is, not, is unsure about their salvation. We like to hear the good news but not the not-so-good news. But we cannot pick and choose the truths we like and ignore those that make us feel uneasy. The truth has to be shared in its entirety. It will not be the same for unbelievers. Those who have rejected him, they will be judged according to their deeds. There will be no place for them in heaven. I say this respectfully and truthfully. The Bible makes this point clear. Hell is real. I'm not trying to scare Munger this morning and to suggest any other would, would not be biblical. For many would call themselves Christians and even call on the name of Jesus, yet they have no relationship with God because they have not repented and followed Jesus as a disciple. They may have attended church or joined online, sang along with the songs, even prayed earnest prayers, but failed to ask Jesus into their lives and be changed by him. Instead, they live for themselves, relying on their moral compass to guide them and lead them to heaven. Acts 17 says this, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him up from the dead. And of course, it's talking about Jesus. In Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no other name. This is a really well-known verse. I'll start again. Acts chapter 4. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other. I can hear you. Once more. Name. Name. Correct. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. For we must all, we must all 
appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It's not my intention this morning to preach hell and damnation to you, but to present the truth as laid out in Scripture. I encourage you to go, look, read for yourself what the Scriptures say. This is a sobering thought, one that we cannot afford to ignore or dismiss. I want to underline all that I've said by this one comment. Jesus came not to condemn, but to save. For the believer, this should be a clear motivation to be reaching out to those who don't know Jesus yet. And in June, verse 23, it says this, Save. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Save others by snatching them out the fire. If we are true disciples of Jesus, then we are to share the gospel in order to snatch them from the impending doom that lies before them. I came across uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 and 2, and I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. And again, I just found this, it, it, the way it, it depicted things, it was very clear. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. As God's partners, this is Paul speaking, we beg you not to toss aside this marvelous message of God's great kindness. For God says, your cry came to me at a favorable time when the doors of welcome were wide open. I helped you on the day when salvation was being offered. Right now, God is ready to welcome you. Today, he is ready to save you. Earlier, I said there would be an opportunity for folk to pray and ask Jesus to change their lives. If you would like to do that, you can pray with me the following prayer just in a minute. You can pray out aloud or you can pray in the quietness of your own heart. But I believe God has been speaking to some, whether it's online or here. And it's crucial that you respond. And you'll know whether God's speaking to you or not. You'll know it in your heart, in your spirit. So when I ask us to bow our head, and if you feel that God has been speaking to you, then please join me in this prayer. Let's bow our heads. Lord, Jesus, I am sorry for the things I have done in my life. I just want you to take a few minutes now just to allow your conscience to speak. And whatever comes to your mind, you just really ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you for that. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything I know to be wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Amen. If you prayed that prayer, then please let me or others know here uh, at the end of the service. If you're joining us online, then you can uh, let the host or chat host know uh, in the chat room and they'll send you some helpful literature explaining more about the steps you have taken in prayer. If you've prayed that prayer, well done. Well done. You've given your life to God and a new journey of discovering more about him begins as of now. To help you in your journey, I'd like to uh, hand you a small little booklet. In fact, I've got two. I've got a Christmassy one and a general one. It's this here called Why Jesus? Why Christmas? And if you've prayed that prayer, this is free. Come and see me at the end of the service and I'll be glad to give that to you. So in finishing and in summary, let's take a fresh look at Advent this year and prepare ourselves more fully to engage and encounter him over this Advent period. To rejoice in the coming of the Son of God as a babe, to thank him for our salvation and to look forward to his return. And finally, to reach out and share with those who don't know Jesus yet over this Christmas period. The glorious blessings of Advent. And I want to encourage you again, take as many flies as you need, yeah, and give them away. Give them away. You don't know who it might challenge to come along. I hope this morning has been helpful. If anybody would like to chat or would like prayer, I'll be right in the front here and you can come and see me. I'd love to pray with you. I want to thank you for your patience this morning and God bless you and have a great uh, week ahead of, ahead of you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.